Hello and welcome everybody back to Eyes on the Mize. My name is John. I'm joined by Ian. What's going on, man? Not much. It is July 13th and we are going to be talking about episode 20, Emerging into Eldritch Moon pre-release because I think Eldritch Moon has everybody excited right now. Dude, it's looking to be a l- early take. It looks pretty awesome. Um, also, 20 episodes. Woo! 20 episodes, yeah. We are at 20 now and, th- and then hopefully we'll get to the point where we don't work. We don't celebrate every 10 episodes, but you know what? I'm proud of us so far. Hey, man, we're doing all right. We're it's like 20, right. 20 weeks in a basically 20 weeks in a row of releasing content. It's yeah, not, not basically. the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> all right, so uh, first we're going to turn our eyes to the community, as we always do. And as you're probably no doubt aware, the Elder Moon pre-release is this weekend. I actually just went and pre-registered for my two pre-releases I'm doing this weekend. I haven't pre-registered for my midnight pre-release. I'm not actually sure if I'm going to do a midnight pre-release this time. Uh, but I did pre-reg for my uh, Saturday afternoon at Car Kingdom. Good, so good. Fun. I'm going to try and find one of the lo- more local ones for midnight. I don't feel like hiking all the way up to Seattle for. Uh, it's what like a 45 minute drive or something. It's about an hour. Okay. Also, that means that the weekend after this, next weekend, is the Elders Moon release, and you can buy packs and do all the other fun stuff. And hopefully, all your pre-orders will come in for all the cards that you want for insert format here. <laughs> nice. Yes. And also, another big thing that's popping up re- recently that's caught a lot of people's attention is that uh, if you don't know, there's a Hall of Fame for members of the Pro Tour. Uh, I don't remember the exact cutoff, but I know that there is a pro t- a pro points limit in order to be considered, and then I think you have like five years of eligibility or something along those lines. Because um, I know that uh, no, Chris Cool only fell off because they upped the threshold for that one year. That's right. So there's a just it's just it's just a minimum pro point threshold. I think it's around oh geez, I don't think it's 150. That sounds too low. But yeah. Anyways. All right. So removal from uh just, so removal from the ballot. Um, for three or more years, like players have been on the Hall of Fame ballot for three or more years removed if they've appeared on less than ten percent of return ballots in three consecutive okay. years. So basically, if nobody's got it, all right. Yeah, but, but oh, it's a uh, eligibility. Player must have participated in his or her first Pro Tour at least ten seasons prior to the current voting year. So, so that's ten years. Got ten it. years. Player must have one hundred fifty lifetime Pro Tour points prior to twenty thirteen. Yeah, Pro Tour points prior to twenty thirteen. The threshold was lifetime one hundred. Pro Tour points, and they must not currently be suspended. Yeah, that's the big one. Previous suspension does not disqualify our player. Yeah, and that's big. I think not this year, but next year. I want to say it might be this year because I think there's some player who is right on the who was who was a Hall of Famer or who is voted into the Hall of Fame, and then they were suspended, and then they got knocked out. I remember it was, it was a Japanese player. I can't remember if it's Shuhei or you. But anyways, uh, big names on the ballot this year. Even Flock, who was our M15 Pro Tour winner, as well as our, um, he won, no, did he, did he win Pro Tour Oath in the Game Watch? I don't think so. He was in the finals, though, because it was the Eldrazi Mirror against him and somebody else. Anyways, even Flock is on the ballot. Owen Turtenwald, who is probably, to the surprise of no one, is on the ballot. Uh, as previously mentioned, Yuya Watanabe is on the bracket. He's probably, or on the ballot, he's probably the best Japanese Magic player of all time, I think a lot of people consider him to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Green White yeah, Master got, Craig Wesco yeah, he, is on the ballot. Yeah, yeah he got second at Watch. Second, okay. Um, who won Watch again? I forget. Uh, that would be Jin Chow. That's right. Jin Chow. Um, and then uh, Osip uh, L. I don't want to mispronounce his last name, but he's also on the ballot. Alongside many other names that are that will excite old and new Magic fans alike. 
Um, oh yeah, I know uh, Herp, Craig Herberholtz is on there too. Craig Herberholtz is on there. Um, but the reason why that's up is that the the inv- the people who are going to be invited into the Hall of Fame will be announced at the World Championships, which, as we all know, is happening in August. PAX. At PAX West. End and of August, beginning of September. Beginning I'll of be there. Yes. Not will, for the not for competing, of course. You'll, you'll be at PAX West. Um, again, you're only like an hour away. I know. It's, it's nice. Local convention, man. <laughs> Local. And uh, the winners will then be inducted at Pro Tour Kaladesh, because they always induct the new Hall of Fame inductees at the first Pro Tour of the season. For yep. example, uh, at Pro Tour Battle for Zendikar, we had um, Eric Froelich. Shouty Asoka and Willie Asoka and Willie Edel all got invited, all got inducted into the Pro Tour Hall of Fame. So this is a very prestigious list of Magic players, people who have had a big impact on the game, and they're voted in by other <laughs> other Pro Tour members as well as I think members of Wizards and other members of the Magic Press. Yeah, and selection yeah, selection committee employees, mem- the DCI members, judges, and reporters, and the players. Yep, so this is going to be interesting to see who gets in, because if Owen Turnwell gets in, which he probably will at some point, the only question is, is he getting in now or later? It's like, yeah, is Owen first ballot or not? (laughs) And I think there's a lot of people who would consider him a first ballot Hall of Famer. But, in any case, we are here. Either way, yeah, we only just mentioned this because they'd only just started popping up on Twitter, like, this afternoon from what I was seeing. So, like, this is, like, fresh. Like, people are like, okay, got to look at my list now, break out the spreadsheets, let's go. Uh, for a quick re- thing, people tend to vote on uh, Pro Tour top eights and uh, GP top eights. Yeah, they're well. looking. They're looking at namely three Pro Tour top eights as a relative baseline. It's kind of like in Major League Baseball, how it used to be like 500 home runs. Like yeah. you're auto in. It's like you get above that, and you're basically. But guaranteed. I mean, there's always players who waver on that. For example, um, I know that Reed Duke is probably somebody who will probably get in the Hall of Fame at some point, but he only has one Pro Tour top eight. I know um, Willie – I don't know how many Willie Adele has, but I know he definitely was getting a lot of votes specifically because of just how much he mentors young players uh, down in Brazil and South America. Like like for players who qualify for these new tournaments who – like they might qualify for a Pro Tour or Worlds or um, World Magic Cup and stuff like that uh, or like on the Brazilian team might not have ever gone out of country and don't know how to, you know, deal with like, how do you, you win a tournament and all of a sudden it's like, Oh God, I have to get a passport and visas. And how do I do this? He's done it. So he like, will take these players under his wing and help mentor them and walk them through the process and get them there. And it's so cool. And because of that, that's one of the main reasons how he got in is like yeah. just what he, what he's given back to the community. So you don't sort. just have to be, you don't have to be a good magic player, but I mean, you kind of have to in order to get the, the 150 pro points, but it's, it's also just you know, kind of what you've done for your community locally or for the magic community at large. Oh yeah, definitely. Anyways, so let's go ahead and move on to some of our hot takes from Eldritch Moot, which is where we're going to start with the meat and potatoes, the meat and potatoes. And the first thing that we have on our list is something that I missed somehow that Ian uh, picked up, which is that there is a card in Eldritch Moon that is getting some popper love. Which one? Uh, the Thermo Alchemist. Oh, yeah, that was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, so uh, of all people, I was expecting John to maybe pick up on this. But uh, Alex Ullman, who does amazing work on popper, uh, follow him on Twitter at Nerd to the Core if popper is your jam. This man writes popper articles out the wazoo Every on week. gathering that 
on yeah he he does metagame breakdowns like what's hot in the format he tweets about it all the time on, on his twitter account nerd to the core he's testing decks left and right check him out in gathering magic as he well also is the person who made the bracket for the gauntlet of greatness that uh, card kingdom sponsors with randy bueller he yes. made the decks and the bracket that randy and shadow are going through yes and that's awesome to check out too if you're interested in popper but <laughs> so thermo Thermo Alchemist is a one in a red human shaman. It's an 0-3 defender. So you're like, mm, all right, whatever. But it has tap. Thermo Alchemist deals one damage to each opponent. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, untap Thermo Alchemist. So this guy kind of is like a pseudo storm count. Grape shot, grape shot on a stick. Essentially, if you cast enough spells, he doesn't have haste, so you can't go off the turn you play him, which is a little sad. But you know, it's really interesting because I can already pick... I haven't even looked at the list yet. I'm going to pull it up later and look at it. Um, I, actually, I don't know. if Ian, are you looking at it right now? I am looking at it right now. Okay, so let me guess, go, Let me just go ahead and guess what some of the cards are on there. Well, I'll, I'll, read, I'll read some of what he says. Like He talks about how it could also potentially fit into a Drake, Ghostly Flicker, yeah. uh, Mnemonic Wall situation, which basically recycles it. And so you can basically just tap it, ping it, untap it, yeah. cast Ghostly Flicker, Drake. While that whole Drake-Wall combo is generating mana, you can literally just ping away with your opponent. Yeah. But basically, this will act as Scrape Shot and... Grape shots banned. Yeah, all the storm, all the good storm cards are banned. Just, just so you guys know. So I was thinking like this card, this this deck would want like ponders and it would want brainstorms and it would want um, all the cheap. You know, oddly enough, oddly enough, his deck doesn't have any ponders in there. It's got four preordain, preordain, yeah. Pre-ordain, so okay. it's got some pentab prisms. Okay. So that's the two mana artifact with sunburst at um, basically you can remove a counter to add a mana of any color you want. Yeah, it puts it. You put a charge counter on it for each color mana. So you remove it. Sets a couple things. Lotus petals, four of them. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right of flame. Yes. And then you also would have uh, pyretic and desperate rituals if you're wanting to go full storm because those this are. This is actually this is actually looking like it's a uh, Grixis storm. Grixis. Oh, because uh, that's right. Dark rituals are common. Yep, Dark Ritual, Cabal <laughs> Ritual, Manamorphose, yeah, Expedite. Yeah. Was Manamorphose a common in... Oh, it must have been a common in, uh, in Shadowmore. Jeez. Yeah. Faithless Jeez. Looting, Ataxium... All right, so it's basically... It's, 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 it's literally the Storm deck without the good mana. Yeah, two Shred <laughs> Memory, four Cabal Ritual, four Dark Ritual, four Manamorphose, two Expedite, two Faithless Looting, Ataxium Probe, four Night's Whisper for Draw, which yeah. there's, there's a... Uh, what's it? Eternal yeah, Master's yeah, yep. card we got there. Four preordained, four right of flame, four lotus petal, two pentab prism. It's got peat, around like peat bog, sandstone needle. Like these are things with comes in play tap with depletion counters on it. Oh, those lands. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. <laughs> he went deep with this list because what it says, what these depletion lands are, it comes with two counters on it, and you tap it, remove a depletion counter from sandstone needle, and you add two mana of that color to your mana pool, yeah. and then if it has none on there, you sacrifice it. So it's a way to generate two mana off of one land. Yeah, that'll things. do. About filter. It has like a bunch of. It basically is running a bunch of ETB tap lands, oh, and it geez. looks I'm like to, I'm gonna have to try this deck for. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a rough list, but I, I had to put it in there because I was looking through like because he did a review on Pauper and ha- what Eldritch Moon is bringing to Pauper, and that's one thing. And I saw Storm, and I'm like, John's gonna want to hear about this because if you guys know a couple episodes ago, John talked all about Storm for an entire episode. Yeah, uh, it's his pet deck. No, it's all right. It's a pet deck, man. It, it, like, it is my it is my pet deck. Uh, had a good conversation with Emma Handy the other day on Twitter about it as well. It's oh, yeah. uh, such a fun deck. But just, but it's just not quite there anymore. Or to it's be, the, it's to the be, exact same joy of you know making sure your opponent can't do anything that a control deck does, but you only do it in one turn. It's amazing. 
Yeah, um, it's like what, tier two ish right now. But yeah, and it's some other things ish probably is yeah. more correct. Some other so some other kind of pauperish things. Um, he talked about bringing up succumb to temptation, which is the one black black instant you draw two cards and you lose two life. So the instant uh, speed night's whisper or the instant speed sign and blood, depending on where you want to sit. Um, yeah. Let me guess, mono black control. He said it looks like it might like he said right now. Actually, one of the only decks he reason play it is Demir teachings. Because yeah, we were saying we were saying mono black control has chittering rats and friction ranger at three, so it's that's like that's like eight cards right there. That's fair. They want too many of them, but yeah, it seems pretty cool. Um, he, yeah, he touched, would definitely like, want. We'll put the link to this article in in the show notes and stuff like that. He talks about some zombies and stuff. Like maybe the deck got a couple things out of here. You never know. Yeah, we um, will definitely we'll definitely find out all together. But yeah, so but for me, obviously, I will absolutely be trying we already talked about this before when it was kind of revealed because it was one of the cards revealed for the mechanic but wretched griff i am so gonna try this in the Paupertron deck that it looks almost like it's moving away the deck that i play the morositron is looks like it's even moving away from just wanting to play moros like pulse morosa because that's how format warping peregrine drake was <laughs> it's like moving away from the card that gives the deck the name but anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a topic for a whole nother day. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to bring see if we can bring Alex on to just like talk our ears off with Popper. Oh, but speaking about Popper and kind of tying community in, the Community Super League when they had their Popper thing introduced a relative a deck that hadn't really seen a whole lot of play, but kind of got a shot in the arm. Wedge's deck? No. Oh, it's not Wedge's. Well, by the way, for people who don't know, Wedge played um, oops, not oops, all spells in Popper, which I didn't know was possible. So no. hats off to him. What, no, what this is deck? it's the Boros to- Boros Tokens deck that uh, what's his name played? Uh, I mean, there are so many people who, who RNG, R- the R&D guy. Oh, uh, um, Aaron Forsyth. <laughs> yeah, Forsyth played. Yeah, it's Forsyth's deck basically because Ooh. it got remember it got Rally the Peasants. Yeah, Rally the Peasants. That's and true. Eternal Masters, which gave it a shot in the arm. Like it was that little combat oomph it needed because remember it's got Squad Hawk yeah. and. St- like that, Selfless Kafar, yeah. uh, Thraben Inspector. But he's looking at, at the Thraben Standard Bearer, which is the new common. White for a 1 1, human soldier, one in a white tap, discard a card, put a 1 1 white human soldier token creature on the battlefield. It's a big thing because you can dump your Rally of the Peasants into the graveyard, which has the flashback of two in a red. You yeah. could put Battle Screech, which is two white white, but it has flashback, tap three, untap white creatures you control. It if has, you want another fortify effect, there's an escalate common uh, borrowed grace two and a white for an instant with escalate one and a white. You mentioned you can get plus two plus zero or plus zero plus two. Yep, he mentions that in there too. So it's just it's definitely like there's the, the car, there's definitely some cards that are definitely getting looked at. But yeah, if you're interested in Popper, definitely check his stuff out. Oh yeah, uh, he is definitely the go-to guy for Popper. But yeah, I'm definitely looking at Jim Retrogriff. Oh yes, <laughs> it's gonna uh, be. Good. Then talking about some of our other uh, other magic podcasts, Magic the Amateuring, which if you don't listen to them, you really should. You're missing out. Um, the gr- not only the podcast is fun, but the girls are just great to yeah, hang out with. Megan and Maria are amazing. Um, one of the one of the in jokes, if you're not, not aware, is that Megan is a hardcore control player, and um, she hates Siege Rhino with a, with a passion that I that I've not seen before. Is um, a zealous veal. Yes, it was such a zeal. Um, and zeal, I said veal. Wow. You said veal, yeah, man. <laughs> I did say veal. Little <laughs> tiny, little tiny cows. No, little, little tiny with cows. with They're zealous right. zeal. I know. 
<laughs> doubling up on that one. No, but no, she she hated seed rhino. So it was much. it was the apparently people would just bring up the bring her seed rhinos to sign as the troll card. It's like oh, man, it's sign beautiful. this. Um, no. but there's a creature in uh, in Eldritch Moon which is abundant maw eight mana for a six four Eldrazi elite with emerge for six and a black. And then when you cast Abundant Maul, target opponent loses three life and you gain three life. Now, besides the fact that an Eldrazi Leech is a terrible thing to think about, um, that the cast trigger is the exact same ability as Siege Rhino. It, well, it has Siege Rhino cast is each opponent, tri- but yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Cast trigger is on the Abundant Maul. Yeah. Siege Rhino is ETB. I mean, that's the other big difference, yes. Yeah. And no trample. But it's it's Leech Rhino. <laughs> <laughs> it's blah, people are blah. People are saying, Leech Rhino? And you're like, <laughs> I don't think I don't think uh, Megan's or yeah, Megan's ever gonna live that down. No, that's something like once once it gets you know once it gets out that like I don't like this. It's like, and we're gonna troll you. But no, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm definitely enjoying it. It was great. Uh, if you uh, have a lot of time on your hands, come up with nicknames for all the cards because Loading Ready Run does. And some cards like Abundant Mall, it's easy. For others, it's not. So <laughs> yeah, right? Like yeah. Speaking of Loading Ready Run, though, this past weekend was the pre-pre-release, which is the second one that they've had, uh, and it went really well. Um, it was so fun. It was so much fun. For those of you like, who were not able to watch, the replay is on YouTube. It's on, on Twitch. It's at twitch.tv slash Loading Ready Live. Loading Ready Live, not yeah. Run. Live is where they put all their pre-record content. I don't know if uh, Wizards will be putting it up on theirs or not. Uh, well, they well Loading Ready Run put up the the other pre-pre-release. So I don't know if I think I think it's. Well, I didn't know if they were going to. I didn't know if they were going to cross. I didn't know if they were going to cross post it. Maybe, uh, but for, as a reminder, the competitors were Graham, Kathleen, and Cam from Loading Ready Run, alongside Marshall Sutcliffe, Jimmy Wong as the returning guests, the professor of Tellurian Community College, Allison Lures of the of the Wizards Community Team, and Gabby Sparts, and they all came in and they had a blast. And there were a lot of improvements from last year that we that I was able to pick up on. Oh yeah, like this is something I know. At the end of the pre, uh, the pre pre release last time for Shadows, they they were great and put a Reddit post up like saying, "Hey, this is our thing. Do you guys got any uh, suggestions for it?" And I think the biggest one that I really think they should Wizards should probably like even ask, "Hey, can we borrow this and pop this out to everybody?" Is uh, Surge's Judges uh, Corner? Oh yeah, with the returning and new mechanics thing. Yes. Some of them had a lot of text on it, but it's Surge, and Surge is a great guy, and like yeah. he's the guy who you just want like explaining stuff. Really calm, cool kind yeah. of voice. Surge, Surge is definitely uh, a, a model all judges should uh, should aspire to. Um, and I mean, some people were very upset. Like I was, I was in the chat, and there were some people who were like, "We know what this does. Let's play the game." But the big thing is just remember that you know everybody doesn't necessarily know all the rules. Well, plus it's also another thing that's nice too is it's they they Loading Run approaches it. Not as okay. You should know what this is. Let's just play the games, which you know a lot of videos will have. This is a very welcoming, very fan friendly, very newish player oriented thing. Where it's like, say somebody isn't all up on the latest spoilers and like, oh my god, checking Reddit every five seconds during spoiler season, or like the minute the full spoiler is released, they're already evaluating cards. Like this is for someone who's like, oh cool, new set. Or might be getting back into it. Like I saw some of them in chat. Like this looks really cool. Like I'm just getting back in after having not played in 12 years. And it's like sweet. Yeah. Welcome to the stream. Remember, pre-releases are a little bit more casual. They're not meant to be spiked. Um, <laughs> this are, was this was incredibly casual, Ariel. Uh, as as the chat called it, it was chill, Ariel. Yeah. 
But uh, another thing that happened is we all, like, the chat absolutely fell in love with uh, Watsi's community manager, Allison. Oh, who, Allison was great. In her match she, with the professor, it was amazing. Yeah, if you watch any match, just watch it for the banter. Like, oh, yes. their match for the banter is on point. Yeah. Um, there are also, times where the, the, the character of the professor kind of grates on me, but he was definitely uh, in, in rare form at the uh, pre-pre-release. Oh, yeah, it's it's it is a character. I will say that. Like, just haven't met in chat, hung out with him. Like, he's just like he's literally like the biggest fanboy. Like, yeah. honestly, he is hilarious. He's great. Like, he is in as much disbelief as like anyone else would be <laughs> if they were like, "Hey, come on up here to do this pre like pre pre release with us," and just like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, don't forget, don't forget out." And like, that's him. Like, yeah. He doesn't take anything for granted. Like even though he has, he's wildly popular and all that stuff, he just still can't believe it. And yeah. I, I absolutely dig that about him. Yeah. Like um, he's even like, oh my god, dick. I'm like, I'm nobody. <laughs> and he was like, you were like one of the first like people, you know, like to really like prop me up and like say, hey, good job, keep going with that kind of thing. I'm like, I just stumbled on one of your videos looking for like a review of some product. And I was like, oh, this guy's pretty good. Check him out. And. I was like, what? Where did this come from? Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. No Anyways, uh, so everybody who was at the pre-pre-release <laughs> is amazing. Um, and they all did different decks. Another big thing that they did is that they had um, six of them build their decks the day before. And then they had Marshall and Gabby build their decks live on stream. So yes. in between rounds, they were able to do uh, deck techs, which is great for for feeling dead air um, in, the, in an event like this where they basically can only show one match each round, or not that they can't is that they, they only want to do this because that's well, the way they want to present it. I mean, yeah, they could do Swiss and have things off, but way, the way their setup is, it's specifically like they only have the one table with yeah. the camera, the whole camera get up. It's not like the Pro Tour where they can just, you know, wheel another camera, wheel like the two cameras yeah. over to the next table. <laughs> um, but no, but what was really cool about that though is um, I did enjoy the fact that I really like the fact they're like, yeah, we have this. Like I'm all for any kind of broadcast of this sort be it um, coverage of a pro tour or all the way down to loading runs pre-pre-release of, hey, take just a little bit of extra time, just pop out some of these extra little tiny videos that you can spruce, like intersperse through your stuff so that the less ad slash splash page splash image that you show on your stream the better. Yeah. I mean for pro tours they're pretty good about that because they're always filling the dead air in some manner. There's, um, they got even be- they got even better though with the last yeah. one. Um, GPs are where this is, this would really struggle with, um, but they're they're getting better. They're getting better. Like, I I think uh, Channel Fireball broke oh. quote unquote broke the meta open. Yeah. CFB broke this. the meta wide open it, with like with their coverage of GPLA when they were just like, all right, we have a backup match just ready to go re-recording and we have two separate teams this one team is going to take the main match for a couple things this other team is going to take the backup matches they'll throw right back they maybe have like 10 20 minutes of dead time and it's just like not even 10 minutes of dead time between like rounds yeah. and like, that is how you should coverage should go and it was so good anyways we, and, we, we, we should stop gushing about the coverage for a minute so we can actually talk about the pre-pre-release oh <laughs> because it was all again it was awesome um everybody's deck did a lot of things uh we we did learn some lessons uh, the first Plains, is, Planeswalkers, it, are, <laughs> Planeswalkers are amazing and sealed. Uh, it's, it's better to be lucky than good because you could be like uh, the professor and open a pre-release foil Tamiyo, or you could be, or you could be like Kathleen and open two Planeswalkers. And- yeah, she had Kathleen, or she had Tamiyo. Kathleen had Tamiyo and Jace, which yeah. 
<laughs> it was like, the funniest part is like she had Tamio down and was winning, and I was like, just play your J-. like she ultimate Tamio had Jason Hand didn't play him because of information for the next game, yeah. and just like just play Tamio or just play your Jace off the ta-. like because she ultimated Tamio, which yeah. meant she had she like it has the omniscience clause of play anything any card from your hand for without paying its mana cost, like not just creatures, not just spells, just. Anything. Yeah. She could just was, be like, and Jace for free. But she didn't. And I was like, yes. Yeah, that was that was that was really silly. Um and also then, can I just say Tamio is a house. Oh god, when you're ahead, Tamio is just like during during the evaluations of like like when everyone was just evaluating her plus one of the tar- target like you know, the two creatures or whatever, like like up to two creatures and yeah. whenever those deal combat damage until your next turn you draw a card. Like, remember you can draw two cards off of this. Yes, and if they deal, to, if they have vigilance, and you block with them, you will draw another card. Right, and the thing was like people were like, "George, there's only one card." It's like, no, no, no. It's no. each creature draws you a card when it. It was goes. really funny the next day seeing people ask, seeing Matt Tabeck respond to asks about it. <laughs> it's like, damn it, guys, we covered this already. Oh, we did this already. Um, but so yeah, no, Tamia was just absurd. She, <sighs> she just messes with combat so much, and I love it. Yeah, it was. It was we'll talk about. I'll, I'll mention her in a little bit. Yeah. But and then um, Earl, do work. Spoiler alert: If you want to go watch and find out who wins, and that wants, you want that to be a surprise, you might want to skip forward for a few seconds. But Marshall ended up winning with um, a red-black deck featuring Emrakul, which he never got to cast. It was in hand one game, and discarded hand. another one too. Oh, so speaking of Emrakul, <laughs> jeez, Gabby. Like, there oh, were Gabby just, had the soul reads. She's just like, and you're gonna open an Emrakul. No, we were. She was joking around, saying like she asked wizards to like seed the seed with his pull, and like she's like that pack's gonna have Emrakul. She was actually one pack off. Yeah, but like she straight up called shot called him having an Emrakul yeah. in one of his last two packs, and it was too, just like too bad his deck was a little uh, bit more. Um, his pool was more aggressive than it needed to be for an Emrakul to actually do good work. Right, yeah, that's one of those where like you you need a, a good critical. Oh, the worst part was like what happened? Like he had something that would have allowed him to. Oh, he got he had a card that was dying, but it got exiled instead, and that would have been. He had twelve. He had twelve mana, including the cost reduction. He was missing an instant. He cast an instant, and he was playing against Cam, and Cam cast the um, the rare counter spell. Oh right, the one it. exiles all exiled it instead. <laughs> instead of going to the graveyard. Like, no, and ruined. Yeah. But it was still amazing. Uh, they did a great job. I can't yeah. wait for them to see what they do for Kaladesh, or if they do one. I uh, know they won't have a time to do one for a uh, conspiracy because that comes out like the well, week. Conspiracy does, does probably wouldn't even fit well for a pre-release, anyways. Well, I meant like they did that lo- that cool little conspiracy video last time for Wizards, but I that it's super close to packs. We, so. ha- we would have to. We would have to actually. We would probably be seeing videos of it now if they were doing that. Yeah. Cause, well, I think. And that, not only that too, but also I think Conspiracy Two comes out like the week before PAX. Something like that. It comes out. Yeah. It comes out like mid August. Anyway, yeah, it's like a week or two before PAX. I fully hope to draft it at PAX. It's gonna be great. Oh, I'm sure you'll find people who who want to draft. Um, another <laughs> big format of of yes. ours, as Ian is closer to Canada than I am, is Canadian Highlander. Still in the news. Um, and they did a set review, which you can find the link oh. to in the show notes. Yeah, a couple ones. Uh, we, we'll have just one of them. This is one done by one Benjamin Wheeler, who is the guy who basically built the shell that I took and tweaked for my Jeskai deck. Um, he does a great job, card evaluation. There's some other ones out there, too. Like I said, if you guys want to learn more about the format, 
please go check out the Facebook group on Facebook. It is Can High. Uh, it's MTG Canadian Highlander. There can only be one. That's the one you're looking for. And if you find it, you're good. Yep. So one of the things that uh, Benjamin Ben came away with, uh, he, he lists, he has card evaluation of a lot of cards. It's like an hour and 30 minutes long. So if you want a nice long thing, if you're into Canlander, go for it. But his top five were Eldritch Evolution, Spell Queller, Thalia, Incendiary Flow, and Tameo. Okay. Is Incendiary is, is Flow just because it's a two-mana three damage? I would assume so with Exile, which can yeah. be abused. In, in that kind of format, that kind of thing can be abused. Like, yeah. I, I didn't get a chance to fully listen to the thing because it's a bit of a, you know, it's a slot. But um, as some other cards people were talking about, there's the Stunning Growth, which is the return to, you know, lands from your bat, uh, the graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Surge was on, Surge was like, He's like, dies. I'm so happy you guys just don't understand. Because <laughs> that's kind of his jam, just yeah. the goofy stuff like that. Um, some pe- other people were talking about some stuff like the uh, Mausoleum Wanderer. Yeah. They're like spell quellers, just like, and we're just like, yes. Yeah. So, right. well, speaking yeah. of spell queller, Ian, you, you're brewing quite a few things up for uh, for standard. Oh my God. And one of the things that we mentioned that you, we've talked about is that you're trying to do this like bant humans or. Uh, blue-white spirits for standard, maybe? Dude, you don't even know. All right, so, like, you guys might have, might or not, might or might not have known, I was on Bant or some variant of, thereof basically the entire time through Shadow's standard. So, um, I got onto it after what was, I guess now you can call them Team Metagame Gurus from the SCG side of the uh, competitive house. Uh, basically, they just demolished the field the first two weeks in standard with uh, Bant Company decks before the meta could adjust. Uh, it became like the big deck going into, or with everyone, the, the target on its back of the Pro Tour. People then obviously adjusted since then, but it's still up there with Greenway Tokens as you prepare for Greenway Tokens, you prepare for Bant Company or company-related decks, and or you or you just don't have a chance of day twoing. So, uh, it's still a great card. It did get a couple great cards like the aforementioned spell queller like jesus that card is amazing i don't know what it is with wizards printing amazing one white blue two threes lately but keep at it (laughs) namely we're talking about reflector mage as well so uh for those of you didn't pick up on that but no um what i've been seeing chatter wise and people are looking into is blue white spirits like john mentioned uh which did get a quite a number of cards uh i don't have a necessary list thrown together yet, but I mean, you're looking at a list that can play stuff like Mausoleum Wanderer, which is the one mana essentially curse catcher, which has the you know sack and get the. It counts uh, instant or sorcery unless they pay X. Where X in this case is the Wanderer's power. Right. Uh, but um, usually, spirits have flash. Um, it's you might power. be able to get two. Yeah, because it's whenever a spirit enters the battlefield under your control, Mausoleum Wanderer's power gets boosted. Right, because it has like. Sp- Spirit prowess, I guess you could call it. Something along, something along those lines. Spirit prowess. So, um, and people call it Curse Catcher because Curse Catcher was a Merfolk you sacrificed and basically spell or it, it uh, counters unless you pay one in instant yeah. sorcery. Yeah. So this basically like just your base baseline for Muslim Wonder, you're gonna have to pay one. Um, I it's great like that. You got a couple other ones. Um, there's a there's a three mana guess. one. It's a three yep. mana two one flash flyer that whenever it or another spirit enters the battlefield, you can yeah. tap a creature. Just about to say, it's, that's Nebelgast Herald, which is a great name as well. Um, <laughs> and then that's that's not even counting rattle chains, 
um, from yeah. the previous set, and it's just there's so many spirits that you can people play. People have been looking at like selfless spirit, which is the one way two one flyer uh, creatures you control. You sacrifice the spirit creatures you control gain indestructible to turn. Yep. Like this deck will die to languish. I mean, obviously it's gonna like Most there's tribal decks die to languish. Yeah, um, but people are looking at playing in this obviously because that is this is a great place for always watching. Because you're gonna boost, you're gonna boost your your team. You've got the dual lands that are base white blue. Yep. So that's gonna help a lot. Um, people kind of are iffy on Niblis of Frost, which is the two what, blue, yeah, the two blue blue flying prowess three three. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, tap target creature and opponent controls. Doesn't untap during their untap step. Don't know if there's enough instant and sorcery spells in the deck to make it worth it. That's what people are trying to figure out. Yeah, um, decks always have a hard time with the with the non creature spells. People aren't sure about how good she is, but do remember if you are testing this deck to give a look at good old Anafenza Kintree Spirit. She is a spirit. Yep, <laughs> it's in the name and it's in the type line. Jesus. But yeah, yeah. So it's something like that. Also, one thing I've been looking at too is just building a better band. <laughs> yeah, the other big thing the deck that Ian showed me is. Um, it's like more of a Bant mid-range and trying to eschew the, the collected companies for a little bit more of a uh, proactive game. Yeah, so some of these decks that people are actually looking at, and this is stuff people are actually currently playing at Standard now, is people are expecting the Coco. They're expecting the company uh, to come on four. So if you take away company, people might be... It basically plays the same shell of creatures as company, but some of the ones I've seen play... A few more uh, non-creature spells. Uh, so they'll have like two uh, or three tragic organs in the main, yep. which I think is interesting. Uh, they've shaved down to two copies. Some see three of the uh, Dromokus Command, which isn't bad. Um, but it's playing Linvala at its top end. Uh, I guess I would assume as a hedge against those darn token decks. I swear. I'm, I'm not joining the dark side, man. I'm <laughs> not do doing it. it. I'm not doing it. I don't, I don't want to do it. Fair enough. I'm already evil enough with Bant, which is weird if you think about... Don't worry about it. Don't, just stop thinking about it. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, Th- Thalia Heracathar is going to be a good pickup for these new Bant mid-range kind of decks. It's kind of... I think she'll see more play where it's relevant with her non-basic lands clause in um, older formats. Yeah. But we do have a ton of non-basic lands. A lot of them you do have to sequence your mana base properly for. I mean, the big thing that that she's going to turn off, uh, like the turn you play them, are the pain lands. Yes, that's, which are going to be the bit. absolutely huge in some of these decks playing these pain lands because they want those pain lands because that's how they get access to these like sultai color decks or like even your... Bant runs um, you a few Yavimaya coasts. Yep. Yeah. So. so even in the mirror, it can hit. It. But I think the big thing is going to be the creatures enter battlefield tapped, uh, just against all these token decks spitting out little dudes on the board. If they enter and tap, they don't get nearly as much value instantly. Um, but no, these these mid range things, I could see. Well, they're also playing Dramoke at the top end too, which is great because it hoses control decks. It hoses the mirror of or the pseudo mirror, I guess you could say, with actual company decks. They can't. On your turn, um, forcing forcing your opponent to play at sorcery speed is relatively big now, especially with cards like Abyssin and all of these um, spirits with flash. 
Like, I think she she might even pop up to a two in that deck. Like, yeah. I know for a fact that I will probably have one or two Dragonlord Dramoka in my 75 if I'm playing green-white X. That's right. Just because the flash and instance in this format I don't want to have to deal with. Yeah. Um, other than that, like, the Bant and green-white kind of decks or the white-blue decks seem to be where I'm looking at. I mean, there might be something good with Grixis still. I, I'd have to dig into it more. But for right now, my eyes are set on stuff that I'm relatively familiar with. It's still re- really early in the format, like like we mentioned. So this week is the pre-release. Next week is the actual set release. Then the week after that, we have, I GP think... GP Sydney, which is... A GP Sydney. Which is and then the week after... And we'll also have an SCG standard event, I'm yeah. assuming that week. The week after that is the Pro Tour. And then the following weekend is GP Pit Portland, which I'm going to be in. So I've got a month <laughs> to brew a deck. Yeah. And I would like to see at least what some of the metagame evolves into. So I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on the thing. Um, humans got a lot of help. Humans uh, has, has a lot of spicy things. Like, especially and, if you want to go green, green, white, or even red, white humans. Like, um, for example, Hanweer Militia or, Han, uh, yeah, Hanweer, yeah, or Hanweer Garrison. Yeah. The, the one half of the red flip card or the meld card. I mean, that card is crazy good. You don't even need Hanweer Battlements to make yeah. it decent. Like, it's a two, it's a three mana, two, three, that whenever it attacks, put two more creatures on the battlefield. That are like, humans, and if you have a Thalia's Lieutenant, that buffs your Thalia's Lieutenant. Plus two every turn. Yeah. <laughs> Which is bananas. It's silly. It is so silly. So I'm really interested to see how Standard breaks down. I don't know how much Standard I'll be playing personally, um, but I'm sure that it's going to be something that you're going to have to watch out for. I know for a fact that I'm probably just going to like completely pull back on standard as soon as GP Portland is done. Cause unfortunately due to my schedule and being the army and everything like that, I don't really have a lot of opportunities to go to grand prix unless they're like basically Midwest West. <laughs> yeah. Like from the, from the Midwest, like basically from the Mississippi river West. Um, yeah. I lucked out into GP Minneapolis because it was on a weekend. I already had a four-day weekend. Uh, For me to travel long distances to a Grand Prix, I don't necessarily have the leave time given everything. Like, I have my vacation time scheduled out seven months in advance. Like, I'm already looking. Oh no, I'm already looking at vacation. I'm like, I have my schedule, like my vacation scheduled out till next February, like basically January, February at this point. Gotcha. Um, Because Desert Bus eats up. Like, I gain so. For those of you don't know, in the military, I know we're going to quick aside here. Military, I get 30 days of leave a year. I gain 2.5 days of leave a month. So desert bus, I usually go for 10 to 12 days. <laughs> that eats yeah. up a third to a half of my leave, depending on how long I go up there for. Yeah. So I have to basically really budget my other rest of my time. So it doesn't leave a lot of time for Grand Prix. Yeah. Oh, well, no big deal. So Grand Prix Portland is two and two and a half hours down the road for me, down I, south of I, on I-5. So that's why it's it's... Not super local like a Grand Prix Seattle Tacoma would be, but it's Close enough. as local as I can get otherwise yeah. without going to Canada for like a Vancouver GP. And unfortunately for the rest of the calendar year of 2015 or 2016, the next halfway decent Grand Prix I could go to is Denver in December. <laughs> but, that's that's the, but that's the weekend at Child's Play Charity Dinner, so... Probably not. I, I won't have leave. I won't have leave to go to Denver for that. So, so I'm looking. I'm I'm waiting with bated breath to see the calendar for next year's GPS. Oh yes. But uh, and for people who who don't remember, I am from Nashville. I'm currently calling in from Nashville, and the second Pro Tour of next year is in Nashville. I'm already trying to 
tempt him, <laughs> bribe him to get me some of that sick, sweet G- PT swag. We'll see. What, I'll see what I can do. Uh, hey, those might even be there. You're right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, gotta get that GPTQ. Gotta win that PPTQ, and then gotta top eight that RPTQ. Well, Maybe. actually, my PTQ, the Pro Tour qual. qual. <laughs> you just gotta qual for it. Exactly. Just qualify for the Pro Tour. It's easy. So, right? John. So yeah, that's 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 me. Just all right. So that's basically what I've been looking at for standard. Yeah. Like I'm looking at, you know, obviously the blue white spirits, Bant Company, Bant Mid Range. Oh yeah, obviously I forgot Tamio. Oh, yeah, slots Tamio. Amazingly, like Tamio. I'm gonna call this now. Tamio Sylvan Advocate, best friends. I mean, yes, they are definitely the best buds. I mean, already Sylvan Advocate locks down a board because it's vigilant. But if you target that. And you target your opponents. Yeah, Tamio with like phase two advocates facing one another is a hilarious interaction. I can't like, wait. For, I can't wait for the for those Bant mirrors when there's dueling Tamios targeting each other's Sylvan advocates. You're like, you're like, go, do it, dare you, draw me two cards, see what's up. <laughs> yeah, man, let's go. Hey. <laughs> but eh? no, also like, I didn't touch on it a whole lot, but I'm I'm also looking at Bant humans still, Bant yeah. Coco humans, because uh, they got ha- the Hamlet Captain reprint, the one white yes. two two the the. One green. The one in green, 2-2, two, two, human warrior, whenever it attacks or blocks other humans you control, get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Yeah. So and then there's also it, the, the, gold, the gold rare human, which is probably standard playable. I'm not entirely sure yet. The Heron's Grace champion? Um, that could potentially see if... All right, so if humans go... Green white Grace champion for people who don't know is two green white for a three three human knight at rare. He has flash and lifelink, and when he enters the battlefield, other humans you control get plus one plus one on lifelink. I could see if a like you mentioned the green white humans deck. If there is a green white humans deck that's not looking at collected company, that might be an amazing spot to take over because like you said, it has flash. Yeah. So you could be holding up four mana, your opponent doesn't know what you're on. They're they could be expecting clump company. They go for blocks. You go Heron's Grace champion. Check out all these plus one plus one life linkers and and just get utterly destroyed. Yeah. So that could be something that that I definitely forgot about that guy. So definitely look. I mean, just all time I have it. Yeah, look for that to possibly be a thing if there is a green white humans deck. So John, that's me rambling. What have you been up to about this? I've been rambling quite a bit with my set reviews. They're not quite out yet. I'm not quite ready to to release them into the wild quite yet. But I have a few (laughs) few uh, hot takes that I'm willing to share with you guys as kind of a a preview. Uh, the mythic rare that I think everybody might be sleeping on—that's legitimately good. I think is Grimflare. We talked about him a little bit last week when when the spoilers came out with him with his uh, with his frock of gloves. But he just seems <laughs> so, like the art is so good. He just seems like a guy who I think is getting a little bit underappreciated because not not for what he can do like in standard because in standard he's probably very good, but like in like modern I think he's he's like the budget goif that everybody wants because. He feed not only well not only does he also fuel your goifs if you play goifs alongside him, but he can just end up being a two mana four four trample, which is going to be which is probably going to end a lot of games on its own. Yeah, oddly enough, though, goif has lost a lot of stock. Yeah, I know. It's it's interesting how the how the modern metagame has changed with you know Tarmogoyf goif not not nearly being as good it's as not we thought it goif, was. It's not a goif. Form. Well, it's still great, but. The mid-range regular fair decks. I think what it is is that with a few of the Eldrazi decks still trying to like, like kind of hang around a little bit, and, and decks like Tron playing stuff like Thought Not Seer. Yeah. Uh, Lightning Bolt is it's probably still the best removal spell in the format, but it's still losing a lot of its luster with a lot of these cheap creatures that are coming into play that are that survive bolts. The high, yeah, the the, the efficient, the very efficiently costed creatures that are yeah. still out there. Um, but anyway. 
it's still I no, I I could see that getting into hell. I don't know. It's it could see playing Jund. It could see playing Abzan. It could, make, it, it, could, it could see playing Death Cloud for all I know. But no, I definitely think you know he. I I agree with you. Like he's yeah. he's, he's not a bad card. No. He's interesting. Uh, a card that I wanted to talk about a little bit from a design perspective is Stencia Innkeeper, which is a uh, three and a red for a common vampire. It's a three three. When it enters the battlefield, target land and opponent controls. You, or you tap target land and the opponent controls, and that land doesn't untap during controller's next untap step. Normally, that uh, type of ability falls into the purview of blue, uh, but we just saw it on a red card, and Mark Rosewater commented that it's a a take on some sort of uh, LD light strategy, where LD means a land destruction. So it's like a pseudo halfway <laughs> land destruction spell. It's like guys, we get it, land destruction. We don't want. We know you don't like land destruction, but. We're going to give you the Soleil right here. We'll see how this plays. Uh, I don't know if that card is good. It's probably not very good. Don't play it. Um, but it's definitely something that I saw. Yeah. Like, eh, we'll see. Uh, we talked about take inventory a little bit. Uh, one of the blue for a common sorcery. You draw a card, then you draw cards equal to the number of cards named take inventory in your graveyard. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only standard deck I have currently assembled is my uh, blue-red tutelage deck, which is terrible in the current metagame with all the Dromokas commands flying around. Um, but take inventory is an immediate slot in in that deck. Oh man, this card's gonna be so good in that deck if it ever resolves. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? What else? What else? There's so many cards in this set. Uh, a card that I have earmarked for a commander. It's kind of fragile though. Is the Subjugator Angel? Four white white for a uncommon angel. It's a four three flyer. When there's the battlefield, tap all creatures your opponents control. This card is going to do so much work in my Calamity deck. Oh my god. Kalimni just loves her. For those of you who don't remember, Kalimni is two red-white for a 3-3 giant soldier with double strike and vigilance, and whenever you cast a creature with CMC 5 or greater, you put you get an experience counter, and Kalimni gets plus one plus one for each experience counter you have. So you can see where this is going. Boy. It is going terribly for your opponents. Uh, going ham. Oh, just... Kalimni goes hard in the paint. It, there's, no, <laughs> there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Can um, I can I talk about an amazing pseudo reprint at common or it, it's a pseudo reprint at common? It's so flavorful. You might know it's Sigardian Priest. Oh, Sig- oh, that that was amazing. So Sigardian Priest, go ahead, Ian. All right, so Sigardian Priest is one in a white for a one-two with an ability as a human cleric with an ability one generic tap tap target non-human creature. Now, why am I so like mm, the flavor? Because in original Innistrad, there was a card called Avicinian Priest for one and a white, one, two human cleric with one tap, tap target, non-human creature. Yeah. It's a functional reprint with a story change name. Yes. And the flavor text on the Sigardian Priest says, many whose faith was destroyed by Avicin turned to the only angel who remained true to humanity. And I'm just like, it's so good. Plus, it's got Therese Nelson art. Therese Nelson art is just uh, so good. Uh, let's also not forget that uh, the Magic Story releases on Wednesday when we, excuse me, when we record. And uh, Sigarda had an appearance in the story. And she oh, today's story was so good. Today's story was very good. Um, that just about does it for the cards that I really want to talk about. There's only there's other cards that I, that I keep popping up when I scroll by, and I'm like, ah, card's such a bad card. For example. Uh, Bold Impaler, one red for a one-two vampire knight with two and a red. Bold Impaler gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. Don't play it. <laughs> Save yourself the trouble and don't. But you, may think, you may think about it, but don't. Um, just whatever you do, don't play it. Um, then there's also some other sweet cards like um, Mercurial Geists, the Medium Dragonauts. <laughs> are, is, is pretty great. 
Uh, Morden Willow was an interesting card. Um, one green black, or yeah, one green black for a three-two plant skeleton at uncommon with haste, and it has delirium when it enters the battlefield. If you have delirium, uh, creatures with power two or less can't block this turn. Is a very interesting card because uh, it could be a mono red card, but it's green black instead. It's a shot across the bow at the uh, Eldrazi horrors coming into play. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, the also, Eldrazi horrors can block it. But. Can we just can we just mention though that I fully expect to get blown out by ride down at one point in oh, this yeah, one. Everybody does. <laughs> um, the, the the trick is not getting blown out when you block with a watcher in the web. That's the Ooh, trick. That's going to be disgusting. So as a reminder, watcher in the web is a five mana. Uh, two five that can block eight creatures total, and it has reach. Uh, ride down is red and white for an instant. Destroy target blocking creature. Creatures that were blocked by that this creature gain this combat gain trample until end of turn. So if you are watching the web blocks eight creatures, and you ride down the watch and your watching the web gets reddened down, uh, all of their creatures that you blocked gain trample. Essentially, it's those creatures. Block. Essentially, those creatures were unblockable this turn. <laughs> Basically. Uh, yeah, the whole, the, the, whole, the whole interaction with trample and blockers being removed means that it tramples over the non-existent blocker. So, well, it just tramples over zero power. Exactly. Or or zero zero toughness. toughness. Yeah, yeah. Ride down is a hell of a card. Uh, if you're in red white, I would take it. Uh, it's not a first pick quality card, but it is. Oh man, it's such a brutal card to run into. <laughs> it really is. It's so brutal. And we've got enough time, just a little bit, because I wanted to talk about another piece of flavor gem that came out uh, the other are, day. Is you, yeah, this is something you've been interested. Oh, we kind of we kind of mentioned it was Zendikar, yeah, but John, so the the art books have is, been coming out your, for the past two blocks. This is your wheelhouse. This is my wheelhouse. Yes, uh, the the art books have been coming out for the past two blocks, uh, and I got my art book in uh, I think the day after it came out, uh, thanks to Amazon, and uh, not sponsored, but Amazon, give us a call. Um, and but I got the intro oh, book. And I was curious whether they were going to do a plane shift Innistrad. And what I mean by that is that when Zendikar came out, when, when the art book for Zendikar came out, um, James Wyatt, who is a is one of the principal story designers at Wizards, did work in D&D and now works for the Magic side, made a little 30-page module that kind of takes the D&D rule set and applies it to Zendikar. So it gives you rules on how to play as a merfolk character on Zendikar, and then it gives you some example stat blocks for monsters like a, for example, a Felidar, where essentially a Felidar um, is a giant cat with kind of these um, these um, crystalline horns, and yeah. you know, and the and he basically said, and you know, just basically treat it like a unicorn, and there's a stat block in it that changes all of the unicorn traits into a Felidar, because you know, a giant cat doesn't have hooves. <laughs> It's just got big pulse. It's just got get big claws. Um, and then Plane Shift Innistrad came out, and I just and I've also been reading the Curse of Strahd D and D book because I've been trying to see if I can get together a Curse of Strahd campaign, which is really which is a very similar setting to Innistrad. Cough nerd. Nerd <laughs> pointing at himself. Um, it's it's all good. And uh, yesterday the Plane Shift Innistrad book came out, and I read through it, and I thought it was awesome. And I decided that I was going to write a session. And so last night, after it came out, I wrote a D&D session using the Plane Shift Innistrad rules. Um, and it's really fun, and I'm really excited to try and get it, try to run it at some point. I'm probably going to also record it, because I, I, I think that's something that people have been interested in. Because I said I would do it for Zendikar, but I never got, never got that off the ground. This, I actually have, like, everything is blocked out nicely. I still have to draw some maps, but... Um, but I decided that I was going to do something with some characters that people people already know in in uh, on Innistrad, and the the two characters are Hal and Elena, who are they're they are featured in the first story of the block, 
um, with Under the Silver Moon, where we first meet Arlen. Uh, They're featured again in one of the little vignettes during Embercool Rises. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to include them kind of as an NPC character in the setting. Now, the problem is that they're, not, they're only featured there and in assorted flavor texts. Yes. Yeah. Un- because unfortunately, the character story design for those guys, like the actual char- the story, them being put in the story, was well after uh, it was past time for them to be actually, it, they could actually have a card inserted into the uh, uh, folder, yeah. into the folder for yeah. uh, R&D during the set design. So. The same thing happened with Gisa and Geralf in original Innistrad because they just put them on flavor text kind of offhanded and then people really ta- latched on to these characters. Um, and so that's why there's a Gisa and Geralf character in Shadows of Innistrad block. And so I was like, well, I want to try and include these characters, but I don't really know much about them aside from the fact that they're rangers. And that was all I knew. And so what I did is I reached out on Twitter because Twitter is an amazing, um, amazing little thing. And I reached out to the writer for Hal and Elena, which is uh, Kimberly Crines. Um, she's been getting a lot of flack from some of the people who really don't like her style of writing. Uh, she's also the person who handles Nissa, and people really don't like Nissa, and so they really don't like Kim- they really don't like uh, Kimberly. But she gets a lot of she gets a lot of undue flack. I think. A lot of undue flack. I agree. Um, so I reached out to her for details on uh, Hal and Elena. La- it was like late last night. I didn't I didn't expect to get a uh, reply within 24 hours. But this morning I woke up and I got a reply saying, "Sure, I'll." I'll, I'll answer any of your questions. And so I got, we have like nine tweets between the two of us at least, or like maybe a total of chain of like eight, like 12 or so. I want to say where I've got a lot of material that I'm going to work with. And man, I am excited. Yeah. Like the fact that like she has in her head, like this whole story of what the characters are already. I'm like, that's awesome. I mean, as somebody who, who would be like, if I wanted to work there in, in R and D as a, as a creative, and we go to any sort of uh, any sort of um, story like this, where you have these characters that you that you write. I'm sure that you have some sort of ideas. Like earlier this year, when the Gisa and Garolf story went out, I remember I sent a tweet at Allison Lurs, who wrote that one. Who, as we all said, we last met her on uh, we last met we last saw her on the pre release on the pre pre release, and I remember asking her a question like. Like, how old do you think they are? Because I'd imagine Gisa and Garolf as, like, mid-20s to late to like early 30s. And yeah, especially, especially with how some of their flavor texts have been written kind yeah. of thing. And, and she was like, no, I imagine them kind of more as, like, teenagers. Like, maybe early 20s. And I was like, huh, that does not that does kind of put things into a different light for how their, how their, their bickering goes instead of just Petul- being like a... Petulant, rich kids. Yeah. That's that's it's that apparently that was more of the flavor and I can I can definitely see where they're coming from. That's um, great. But the the big thing here is that like for for me at least is you know being able to reach out to these these writers and them being open enough to respond has been great. Like, would you have known on your own that? Uh, let me see if I can get the get one of the tweets. Here we go. That uh, Elena loves to sing and has a beautiful voice, and Hal writes poetry and makes crafts out of things she finds in the woods. Like. It's just like insane character detail. Yeah, it's great. It was beautiful. Uh, it's gonna be so great. Um, but that's something that I'm gonna see if I can try and get something together for. I don't know if it's gonna be. I don't know how big it's gonna be, but we'll see. Um, I have some ideas. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think it's cool that like Wizards is actively looking to expand beyond the cards and expand beyond Magic Online with these art books, which people have been asking for for ages. And now, them like people doing side projects of hey, we're 
you know, yeah. Here, here's some little, you know, D and D esque stuff. You got, you know, you know the mechanics already. Here, just the rule set, like the role sets and here's stuff. Some suggestions. Yeah. And then the other, another big thing is that um, when they spoiled it on uh, Io9, I think was the website. Um, James Wyatt already admitted to thinking about um, Plane Shift Kaladesh. And we haven't even seen the art book for that yet. And I'm just sitting here going, no, please, no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what they want. It's exactly. Uh, anyway, wet, that's. Wet the appetite and then get. Sink, sink the claws in sink and the claws pull in them in. in. Exactly. Just like a vampire. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for Jeez. us. Uh, next week, we'll probably be talking about our pre release experiences, I would imagine. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, sounds, that sounds like a good thing to talk about. Yep. Um, so, Ian, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. You can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix, where I stream. Uh, Sales kind of busy this week, so not sure. I might stream tomorrow a little bit. I don't know. we got to see, see how things go. But Friday night, definitely no, because I'm going to be sleeping early because midnight pre-release. Saturday, exactly. I've got evening pre-release. I yeah. think Sunday might be okay. I don't know. But the problem is that there's holiday slash vintage cube out right now. Yeah. And they have the legacy championship qualifier things going on. So I want to actually learn some legacy. In fact, yeah. we'll see how it goes. All right. But I will stream. So John, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. You can also find me on Twitch by the same handle, jwiley129. Uh, I have not been streaming because my laptop can barely handle it. Um, uh, building new computer and it's so fun. <laughs> That's something that I need to get up. That's on my to-do list at some point. It's a little further down the line. But uh, if you want to reach the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize, or you can reach us with a more personal question at Gmail on eyesandthemize at gmail.com. And please remember to leave us a review on the iTunes or the, or the Google Play Store. We will give you guys shout-outs at the top of the show when we see those coming in. And anyways, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all next time.